But just to kind of remind us where we are in the life of Christ, we are on that Tuesday of the last week of his life. Uh, we've noticed a lot of things go on. Uh, we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of Christ's em- enemies come to him and try to trap him in questions, whether it was the Sadducees or the Pharisees or uh, the Herodians. Uh, it was another group that we just were sort of introduced to. And uh, then we saw on Wednesday evening in our study that Jesus sort of turned the tables. Right? He asked them a question instead, and we saw the result of that question was they couldn't answer. Uh, we're, we were told here in the very last verse of chapter 22, from that day forward, no one dare ask him another question. Um, and if you remember what that question was, he said, whose son was the Christ? And uh, they, of course, they, they answered, well, it's David's son, right? Because they're thinking of the Messiah, the Christ, coming from the lineage of David. Uh, they're waiting for this uh, earthly uh, king, this earthly individual who's going to, uh, you know, rise up the Jewish nation once again, just like Solomon and, and David and, and those of the past. That's what they're looking for in the Messiah. But, of course, uh, Jesus is trying to get them to focus differently on who the Messiah is. And so he asked him, uh, he asked him that question, well, um, you know, if it's David's son, um, then how does David say, back in Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. So if, uh, you know, basically, again, what he was saying is, if, if the Christ, if the Messiah is David's son, then why is David calling him Lord? You know, because we made that, we made that um, point that, you know, we don't typically call our children master or Lord. You know, we wouldn't do that. And uh, so how does that make sense? And that's what Jesus is trying to get through to them, that, um, that yes, David, or excuse me, yes, the Messiah, yes, Jesus, yes, the Christ is to be the son of David, but he's also David's Lord. And so that implies that, uh, the Christ, the Messiah, predates David, right? And we know that only Jesus can fit that scenario. And so that's what we looked at Wednesday evening. Uh, we continue on from the end of Matthew 22 into Matthew 23 this morning. And again, uh, we really are supposed to cover the whole chapter this morning. I'm not sure if we'll be able to, but uh, Jesus is going to uh, speak to a crowd of people, and he's got some things to say. Uh, This is probably some of the the harsher uh, things that we're going to read about Jesus saying uh, about a certain group, a certain uh, group of people. Uh, That, of course, being the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, were all Pharisees in Scripture that we read about, were they all uh, bad? Or were they all painted in a bad picture? Not all of them, right? Can anyone think of one in particular? Nicodemus, yes. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but he was one that we see throughout Scripture, um, you know, seeking truth and eventually becoming uh, one of his disciples. And so not all Pharisees uh, were uh, in this group that Jesus is going to address, but he's got some sharp uh, things to say uh, about them. Um, He's going to focus in on this H word. He's going to talk about their hypocrisy uh, over and over again. The, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And maybe we need to sort of define the word scribe as well. Um, who was a, or what was a scribe? Yeah, so uh, a copier of the scriptures, uh, also a lawyer of the scriptures. 
Uh, it's probably easiest to say that not all Pharisees were scribes, but all scribes were Pharisees. Right? If you were a scribe, uh, you were a Pharisee, you were a, a, a one who dealt in you know, copying the law, uh, learning the law, reading the law, uh, keeping the law, of course, explaining the law. Uh, but not all Pharisees uh, had that position. They weren't all uh, scribes. And so, but this is the group. Again, this is the group that we're going to read about this morning that Jesus is going to um, you know, say these eight times. Uh, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And so, again, l- let's just jump right in, starting in Matthew 23, verses 1 through 7. Uh, notice it says, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things that do not, for they do not do them. Excuse me, let me start. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. Okay, so Jesus begins by saying uh, here that, you know, that these individuals, they sit on the seat of Moses. Basically, he's just saying, you know, they're the authoritative teachers of the day, uh, of Moses' law, right? So that they are, they are taking on that uh, capacity, that, that they are the authoritative uh, religious leaders of the day, and um, and so their their teaching right should is followed by the people, but he's uh, but he's basically saying here is that yes follow the law of Moses, but you know don't follow their examples right do not do as they do. Uh, do you remember uh, a couple of times we've seen in our class about? Uh, this this uh, substance that Jesus compares the Pharisees to. Do you remember that? What that was? This uh, maybe to give you a hint, a baking um, ingredient. Yeah, leaven. There were a couple of times that Jesus referred to the hypocrisy of the Pharisees or the teaching of the Pharisees as leaven. Right? It's this little thing that when it gets into a lump of dough, will spread throughout the dough and infect the whole thing. And he tells them those couple of times, beware of that leaven, right? Uh, you know, you, you want to chop it out. You want to get rid of it. Get it out of that lump of dough. The Pharisees have been a, um, a thorn in Jesus' side throughout his ministry, haven't they? Uh, you know, again, we've seen them uh, attack him, cross-examine him, test him, plot against him, uh, seek to kill him, to put him to death. Uh, but what was, what was their major fault, uh, as Jesus here explains in these seven verses? What was the Pharisees' major fault? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Yeah. So they say, you need to do these things, but then they didn't do those things, right? They, they lay on the shoulders of others numerous commandments to keep, but then they, they themselves would not lift a finger to keep them. Right? Remember, the Pharisees are the ones who... Uh, came up with sort of these extra rules, and their intentions were good, right? They wanted to make sure that they would not 
violate any of God's law, the law of Moses. Their intentions were good, but by doing so, they created these uh, burdens uh, on God's law, uh, made them harder to keep for the people. And, uh, and again, they themselves, apparently, according to Jesus, they themselves did not even keep these things. Uh, we're told here they, they, they only uh, did these things because they wanted to be seen by men. Uh, because they received enjoying, or they, they enjoyed receiving places of honor, right? They, they wanted the special seats in the synagogues. They wanted to be, you know, seated up in the synagogues, uh, main stage or, or center podium or wherever, so that everyone, all eyes are on them, right? And they love to be noticed for their spirituality and to be praised by men. Um, uh, look at that verse uh, 5 again. Uh, for they broaden their phylacteries. Uh, what's a phylactery? This is something we're probably not uh, too familiar with, but in, in, the, in that day, uh, the Jews would have this sort of this small leather box that they would have either tied around their heads, you know, or on their arm. And within that box was, uh, was scripture, was uh, uh, some, some scripture. And so... Uh, again, that's sort of that showy-offness that they have. They, they want you to see these things. Um, they, they broaden them, Jesus says. They, they lengthen their tassels. Again, trying to uh, separate themselves from everyone else. And again, they love the, the seats of honor, uh, places of honor, the chief seats, and the respectful greetings. They loved it when you came up to them in the marketplace and said, Rabbi, right, my teacher, uh, because... Uh, that sort of drew a crowd of people to look at him. Oh, you know, he's a teacher of God's law. You know, let, let's uh, respect him. Uh, and so that's, uh, that was their attitude. So um, let's look at the next few verses, verses 8 through 12. Uh, here uh, Matthew records, But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Do we see that in today's society, uh, today's culture of um, religious leaders with uh, using the use of titles? Can you think of just any off the top of your head? Father. Okay, father. Yeah. Does, um, does anyone maybe go by uh, the title reverend in the, in the religious world? Father, reverend, um, you know, bishop. Uh, in the Mormon church, uh, a, a title given to some people are elders, you know, elder so-and-so. And it's kind of funny if you've ever talked to a, uh, a Mormon elder because they're usually 17, 18 years old. Have you ever noticed that before? But uh, they give them the title elder, even though it's not what we think of as an elder. Um, but again, there, there's these titles that are sort of displaced within the religious world. Well, here, uh, again, Jesus says, Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Now, is he saying that we shouldn't call our physical dad's father? Is that what he's saying? No. 
you know, I don't, I don't typically call my dad father, and I don't know if, uh, you know, you do, maybe you do or not, but that's not what he's talking about, you know, but he's using that as a religious title, right? Do not call anyone on earth your father, your, uh, again, the special, the special title. He also says there, uh, do not call anyone on, excuse me, in verse 10, do not be called leaders. Now, this is, this is a very, um, you know, again, this is not referring to do not call someone your boss or, or somebody like that, but it's a special title, uh, a leader, or sometimes translated master or teacher in your translation. Do not call anyone by that name because he tells us at the end of verse 10 why. Why should we not call anyone that, that name? Right, there's only one leader, he says, and that is Christ. Uh, do not be called leaders, for the one is your leader, that is Christ. So, so why do you think Jesus, as he's beginning this discussion about uh, the Pharisees and their hypocrisy and the things that they do to try to attract the people, you know, why do you think he's um, beginning this discussion of, uh, you know, they love to be called rabbi, you know, again, uh, my teacher, uh, but why? What is the overall emphasis that Jesus is trying to get through to the people here? Or why shouldn't we call somebody uh, by one of these religious titles today? Yeah, there's a, a humbleness factor to it, isn't it? Because uh, he says right there at the, at, in verse uh, 11 and 12, you know, the greatest among you shall be your servant. It's not the Pharisees. It's not the religious leaders who have these broadened phylacteries and lengthy tassels uh, who have these respectful titles. But the greatest among you are your servants. They're the ones that are getting the work done, right? They, they, they don't want to be seen. They don't want the limelight. They don't want the places of honor. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And so... Um, and so Jesus begins that teaching that way. And again, I know we're, we're running fastly out, or quickly out of time. And so I wanted to get into these woes because in the next, uh, well, next section of the, of the scriptures, he's going to give seven or eight uh, woes here to the scribes and Pharisees. He's going to talk about, you know, again, what they're doing and uh, why they are being hypocritical uh, in the way that they're teaching. So let's just go by through these one by one, see how far we can get. Uh, verse 13, here's the first woe. Uh, Jesus says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So, you know, basically, this first woe to them is him saying, Listen, you guys are being stumbling blocks. Right, uh, you're being stumbling blocks. Uh, you're, these many rules that you have created, uh, these man-made rules, are either um, you know refusing men's entrance into the kingdom, or demanding or or making it so hard and so burdensome for them that they just give up and, and turn around. Right. So woe to you for doing this. Um, but even they themselves do not keep them. He says, and sort of. You know, we see this today, uh, you know, again, we see this today in the religious world around us of this woe of, um, you know, I just want to call it drawing circles, right? Uh, drawing circles, uh, 
Can we draw a circle too small uh, as far as, you know, God's word is concerned? Because that's what the Pharisees here are being um, uh, accused of doing, right? They're requiring more than what Jesus did to get into the kingdom of heaven. They're binding things that the apostles never bound. Uh, they're taking away Christian liberties, right? Um, so we can draw the circle too small, but we can also uh, draw that circle too big, right? We, we could draw that circle too big. We could untie things that the apostles tied. Uh, we can, uh, and we can, you know, we need to stay uh, in bounds, right? Second John chapter nine, uh, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. So what questions should we really ask about the Pharisees and their circle drawing? Um, you know, we, we really, what we should ask is, um, or they should ask is, where does God draw that circle? Right? Where does God draw that circle? And we, ought, we need to ask that ourselves, uh, ourselves as well. You know, who does God put into that circle? Because uh, woe to us if we try to define what that circle looks like, right? And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were drawing these circles and uh, keeping those uh, who are seeking the kingdom out of the kingdom. And so this is that first woe. This is this hypocrisy that they're showing is that um, they should be getting people into the kingdom, but they themselves weren't even in the kingdom. And so uh, Jesus, um, again, the attacks them on this first point. And then look at verse 14. And this is why I said maybe seven or eight, because uh, in verse 14, uh, in my translations, it's bracketed. And so, uh, again, we've talked about this before, but uh, possibly, uh, you know, maybe this was uh, brought into the scriptures later. Uh, but, verse, but it ties in, uh, if we read Mark and Luke's account, as the curriculum talks about, if we read those accounts, uh, we can Pretty, we're pretty certain that this is part of the scriptures um, <clears throat> because Mark and Luke also say it. But in Matthew chapter 14, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. And again, we won't talk about too much about this woe, uh, but um, you, know, you, you can see this, their hypocrisy between you know, mercy and money, right? Uh, they, they make these long prayers, yet when they turn around and they devour widows' houses. You know, widows were, in that day and age, were very defenseless, right? And um, the, the Pharisees took advantage of widows. People took advantage of widows, uh, trying to claim their property. Um, again, and we're going to see that in next week's, or next Wednesday's class, uh, as Jesus is sitting, sitting in the temple and uh, noticing that widow giving those two mites uh, in the next class. He's going to talk about that as well. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So woe to them. Uh, let's look at the third woe, verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. What's a, what's a proselyte? Yeah, the, the easiest thing to think of is, is a convert. Uh, a convert from, in this case, from you know, a Gentile 
to uh, the Jewish religion. Did, did you know that, that, that there were Gentiles who were converted um, to uh, Judaism? Um, uh, we often don't think about that, but uh, they did a proselyte. They did uh, attempt to convert others to Judaism. Um, but he says when you have done that, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Do we sometimes, or maybe, you know, maybe you've seen this before, we are so concerned and worried about, um, you know, con- converting somebody to Christianity because we want, you know, the numbers to look good, you know, we want our statistics to look good, but um, what should we really be concerned about? Is it the, phys- the physical growth of a congregation? Or the spiritual growth of the congregation? They're both important, right? I'd say we'd want to concentrate on both of those. But one of them is probably more important than the other, isn't it? The spiritual growth of the congregation. And so these Pharisees uh, apparently were converting people to uh, the Jewish religion. But they weren't necessarily concerned about, you know, changing them for the better. But they just, they wanted the numbers, right? They wanted to increase those statistics. I mean, how cool would it be to be a rabbi who's, you know, converted, you know, 50 or 100 times more than the next rabbi, right? If that was you, um, you know, that's a, that's a good uh, statistic to have under your belt. You know, people are going to look up to you more. And so that was sort of their mindset there. So Jesus says, woe to them. Uh, in their hypocrisy of conquests versus converts. Uh, The fourth woe, verse 16 through 22. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. So uh, in this verse, Jesus gives them sort of another description. What, how else does he describe them here in, uh, well, verse uh, 16? What does he call them? Blind guides. Blind guides. You, uh, the Pharisees were, again, the religious leaders of the day, but they were spiritually blind. And... There's another passage in Matthew 15, verse 14, that sort of touches on this. But where does a blind guide tend to lead people? In a ditch, don't they? The blind leading the blind. And so, woe to them, uh, Jesus says. They, um, now, now, he's talking about a specific thing that they uh, were doing. Uh, you know, making an oath or swearing by something. <laughs> You know, Jesus talked about this all the way back on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he said it wasn't a good idea to um, you know, make these oaths to swear by things because why? Uh, you don't always 
uh, keep up your end of the bargain, right? Uh, we're human. We make mistakes. We can't always fulfill our obligations. And so you might make an oath to somebody that I'll do something, but then you don't. And he says, you know, don't even do that, right? Well, here we have the Pharisees practicing this system of oath-keeping, oath-taking. Um, but, you know, they sort of have these different uh, variations of oaths, right? Um, if I swear by the, the temple, that's one thing. But if I swear by the gold of the temple, that's another thing. Jesus is saying or that they're doing. Uh, if I swear by the temple, then uh, the Pharisees had the practice of, well, it's no big deal if I don't keep um, you know, my oath. But if I swear by the gold of the temple, that's different. Right? Now I have to keep my oath. Uh, it's a more serious oath. And Jesus is saying basically in these verses, listen, uh, whether you swear by the temple or by the gold of the temple, you're still swearing uh, or making an oath, uh, you know, to, to God, in, in front of God. Uh, you can't distinguish the two, he says. And so again, uh, here's this hypocrisy that, that's showing up here, the, their craftiness versus uh, commitments. You know, again, they were, they were getting crafty, right, the, making these different systems of uh, oath-keeping and oath-taking. Again, I, I'm sorry that we're kind of going through these uh, verses really fast, but uh, we just want to keep moving. And so here's that fifth woe, uh, Matthew 23, starting in verse 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the other. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Uh, so, so what were they tithing? What were they giving back to, um, to, to the temple in this case? They're giving back these pretty uh, insignificant types of, of, of spices, right? Dill and mint and cumin. Jesus says, you're great at that. You are great at taking these small garden herbs of no value and making sure that you uh, tithe these things. Um, but you are neglecting what, he says. The, the, the weightier things. Things that you should really be concerned about. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. You know, we might say they miss the forest for the trees. Right? They, they got their eyes focused so much on... Uh, uh, tithing mint and, and, and dill and cumin that they aren't practicing justice and mercy and forgiveness and faithfulness. And then, and then he says in that one verse, and I, I like this, it says they strain, they strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. I had to do a little bit of digging to um, you know, sort of understand better what he's talking about. But both of these, these uh, animals, if you will, a gnat and a camel were unclean. Right? And so a Jewish person would want to stay away from both of these things. And they practiced this. Uh, you know, if they had a cup of, of water or whatever, uh, they might put sort of a net, a strainer on top of that cup so that a gnat wouldn't fly into that cup. You know, because it, what would happen if they drank that cup of water with a gnat in it? They'd be unclean. And so they practiced something as serious as that 
But Jesus says, listen, you're straining out that gnat, but you don't even notice that camel that's in that same cup or in that same you know, distribution of whatever. You know, again, they're focusing on the things that really uh, don't matter. Uh, their, their, their hypocrisy, the minors versus the majors. Again, can, can we see that today? Uh, do we see that maybe in the church today of those who focus on these minor issues so much more than maybe a major issue? I was trying to think of a, a good example, but, you know, a, you know, let's say a brother comes in and, uh, you know, he just had a loss in the family and he comes in, um, you know, Wednesday evening services, but, you know, he's, he's just not wearing his best, right? He, he might, um, you know, be in uh, shorts and flip-flops and, you know, a ratty t-shirt and he comes in and do we maybe have a tendency to look at him and say, what is he doing? You know, what's he wearing? Uh, but we don't know what's going on in his mind. Right? We don't know that maybe he just experienced that loss of someone in the family. And the last thing on his mind was to you know, get dressed up and to come to services because he just wanted to be with the saints to uh, you know, get that encouragement and strength from them. Right? And, and when we're focusing in on what he's wearing, again, we're, we're focusing on those minor issues when we should be focused, as Jesus says, on mercy and, <clears throat> and faithfulness and justice. Right? And so those are some things that we could have a tendency to fall into one of those woes. Uh, the sixth and the seventh woe, let's just read these together because they're sort of of the same nature. Uh, starting in verse 25, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. And woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So, you know, what he's really focusing in on, the Pharisees again, is the idea of they are, you know, they're looking to show... But Jesus is saying, listen, it's the heart, it's the spirit that uh, counts, right? Because they're worried about the outside. They're worried about the, the cup, the outside of the cup. They're worried about the, the outside of the tombs here. Uh, but Jesus says, but inside that tomb, you're, you're just like the inside of that tomb, uh, full of dead man's bones. Or you're, you're like, like inside of that cup. Have you ever gone to your dishwasher and pulled out a cup and it looks clean on the outside, uh, but when you grab it and you look at it, or maybe you pour something into it, you notice it didn't get cleaned on the inside. Has that ever happened to you? It has to me, right? And that's what Jesus is comparing them to. Uh, you're, you're focusing so much on the outside. You're focusing on being seen by men, you know, broadening your phylacteries that you're not taking care of the most important part, which is your heart, which is the things on the inside. Take care of that first, he says, and then You'll be clean on the inside, and then you'll be clean on the outside as well. Let's look at the very last woe, uh, the eighth one, verses 29 through 36. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them 
in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogue and persecute them from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. You ever had a discussion with somebody? about you know religion about jesus and all they want to focus in is on you know jesus's love you know jesus wouldn't jesus wouldn't say that about me he wouldn't condemn me about uh, the sin in my life i mean this is uh, jesus is getting to the heart of the matter here isn't he uh, this is some pretty strong things calling them uh the brood of vipers and serpents and you know, you would say that I'd never do this in my lifetime. Uh, you know, maybe our fathers did, our forefathers, our ancestors, but it would never happen to us. But again, he's calling out their hypocrisy, their, their talk versus their truth. You know, we really can understand through these verses that God hates hypocrisy. Um, it's really evident here in, verse, in chapter 23. And we need to examine our hearts. You know, just sort of like that same message from this morning's sermon. We need to test ourselves, examine ourselves, uh, as Paul said. Um, I know that was a lot in this class. I think we're over time. Uh, but I appreciate everyone's uh, uh, contribution this morning. And Wednesday, we will jump into uh, the widow's contribution. So if you want to read Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44, and we'll uh, focus in on that. Uh, Wednesday evening. Again, I thank everyone for uh, being here this morning. And then, uh, is Brother Jimmy here? Yeah, he's got our closing prayer for us.